Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shit house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar So there's a couple of, of bands that are doing like, and I feel like this has been a thing lately, especially uh, bands coming out and play. It's like the 20th anniversary of this release or the 30th yeah. anniversary of this release. And they do like a select amount of shows where they're like, oh, we're going to play, you know, Pearl Jam's going to play 10. Or in this case, My Morning Jacket's going to play It Still Moves 20 years later. Have you ever been to one of those shows where a band is just playing an album on whatever random anniversary? No. I believe I have. Um... <laughs> I don't think I have either. And I'm not sure if I would want to just hear an album. Like, if I go see a band, I, I want to hear, like, songs from their entire catalog. I mean, I, catalog, Roger, yeah, yeah. Like, Roger Waters used to go and tour with The Wall. And I love Pink Floyd. And I was just, that's not my favorite album. So I'm like, I'm not going to spend $200 to go see just The Wall. Like, if I see somebody from Pink Floyd, I want to hear shit from dark side and shit from animals and metal i don't want to just fucking listen to the wall mm-hmm. yeah i actually recently saw the shins um do a 20th anniversary of their album is it oh inverted world maybe i mean must have stuck when the sh- <laughs> when the shit when the shins when the shins broke a good show <laughs> it, was, it was a great show it was at the ace um and I like the Shins. I just oh, don't nice. know like all their albums and songs by name. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like the Shins have that that one song that really busted out, right? The I can't the even think of Garden it now. State. But yes, and and that song was just like every girl I've ever dated since then has played it at some point. You're <laughs> like, oh my god, I love the Shins. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is a good song. I don't really know many of their other songs. Didn't he do something with uh, modest, not modest mouse, but. Uh, yeah, Danger Mouse, uh, Broken Danger Bells. Danger Mouse. Broken yeah, Broken Bells. Bells. Broken Bells I know probably a little bit better than the actual Shins. Yeah, I actually do like those shows. I've been to that one, and it wasn't a 20th anniversary, but I saw Wilco when they released an album uh, probably like six years ago at the Greek, and they just came out, played the album, and then got into like you know their, more of their catalog. So it's kind of nice if... If you do want to hear the new album, which that was cool. I didn't even know the album, so it was just kind of the first time I ever heard it was hearing it live. Yeah. So you just kind of get that out of the way, and you're like, oh, that was nice. Now let's let's hear some Via Chicago. That I could, that I could get behind. Like if a band that, that mm-hmm. comes out and they're like, hey, we know you guys don't want to hear the new album, <laughs> but we want to play it. We're going to play it, and then we're going to play the songs that you actually like. So uh-huh. spend this time listening to these songs, talking to the person next to you, and having some drinks, and then... Yeah, and have if, a nice little they, buzz once the good stuff comes out. If they play it true to the album, it goes pretty quick too. Just get it, get it out of the way. Let's get to the, let's get to the, the uh, the hits. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of, of playing it true to something, uh, I, I I thought it would be apropos of this um, episode, or you thought it would be apropos, Neil, which I'm sure we've done this before. But let's That's just okay. talk about covers. Billy, you haven't done this before with us, so if no. I ask you. 
what is the best cover song? Like, what is your favorite song that is a cover? Um, what, oh, God. What, what comes to mind? Um, I'd probably say uh, Ain't It Funny How Time Slips Away. Dave Matthews covering Willie Nelson. Mm. Nice. Nice. Did you just um, see yeah, that, Josh? It's a cool little twist on it. Billy and I just saw that, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at uh, Willie's 90th at the Hollywood Bowl, yes. Yeah. Um, and, and it killed. It was great. Um, I, I actually keep it in the Willie Nelson vein. I mean, my favorite cover song is Willie doing Stardust is just, and I don't, I don't like Stardust mm-hmm. is an old traditional song I, or maybe something that came out in the twenties, but it's been around forever and it's just a gorgeous song and he makes it. I, I don't think there's any that stand up to his, uh, like Hoagie Carmichael has a really good one that people talk about, but Willie's is, is, is my favorite. This wasn't on my list, but it came up today when I was looking around. Um, and just because you're mentioning Willie, how about the uh, You Were Always On My Mind, Pet Shop Boys? <laughs> I don't Willie know does what, that? I, no, it's, it, that's a Willie song, but I, I don't know. The Pet Shop Boys. You've never Boys, heard that? I don't think I've ever I think heard that. No. I think you have. Who the, are the Pet Shop Boys? <laughs> Pet Shop Boys, You Were Always On My Mind? Uh huh. When you hear the it, because it doesn't song? even sound like. I mean, it's. When you listen to it, you're like, holy shit, that's fucking Willie. Um, but the way it's produced, obviously, doesn't um, doesn't sound like the same song. But it is the same melody, same words. I will have to listen to that. But Pet Shop Boys, is, is that, are they rap? <laughs> no, 80s, 80s new wave. Oh, okay. I was it's, thinking. It's uh... very akin to the soft sell <laughs> kind of stuff. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that in like three tries. You'd be like, give me what genre is the Pet Shop Boys? I would have gone rap, uh, ska, <laughs> the and then maybe like. I would have thought like emo they rock. were like a doo group. <laughs> pet Shop Boys, Frankie Valley, and the Pet Those Shop are the Boys. The Sock Cop Boys. <laughs> yeah. It's the sequel to Jersey Boys uh, yeah. coming to a Broadway theater near you in 2045. Billy, do you have any more that that stick that come to mind? Yeah, uh, there's a really good Chris Cornell cover of Prince's "Nothing Compares to You," yeah. and it's just Chris Cornell with an acoustic mm. guitar singing that song. It's incredible. But one of my favorites that everyone thinks is a an original is "Respect," Aretha. Oh, oh yeah, an original what? You know o- Otis, yeah. Otis, yeah. Huh. That's right. That's probably. I think that's like that or uh, "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. That's I feel true. like those two are like the like the best songs that like very few people know are covers. I, I, uh, yes, that, that's true. I feel like more people probably know now that uh, "I Will Always Love You" as a cover, like in the last ten years, than they did like when Whitney came out. With <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. But yeah, respect. I doubt many non-music aficionados really know that's an Otis Redding song. And also, his version is—I love Otis Redding. It's not that good. <laughs> yeah, like, you listen I, to it, you're I like, agree. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I mean, mine and Neil—we had to. If we've done this before, this had to be one of them. Is Joe Cocker with a little help from my friends? He basically made that his own song. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't get much better. Mm-hmm. Because I know we've talked multiple times on here about how the Wonder Years is not the actual Joe Cocker version; it's somebody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, no kidding! Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I, I think either Neil or our, our old co-host Jonathan brought that up when we were talking about this before. 
Hmm. I had the pleasure of uh, taking care of Joe Cocker as a music intern at Conan in 2008. Oh. And he could not have been a sweeter hmm. uh, man. And he came to promote a new album. And then Dave Mason hmm. was, yeah. was at 30 Rock, heard that Joe was on Conan, came and like said hi to him. That's amazing. Uh, and they were kind of hanging out backstage, and Conan found out. So Conan came down and said, you know, we don't have any time for you guys on the show, but do you mind performing a song uh, afterwards just for the audience? And, and he was like, you know, and for me. And so they played <laughs> uh, Feeling All Right nice. for the crowd uh, afterwards. It was sick. Oh, yeah. That's great. We need, yeah. to, we need to get some and then Joe, Joe here. Joe's manager hooked me up with tickets to see him open for Steve Miller Band at Radio City Musical. Hmm. I was 20 years old. That's, That's awesome. amazing. And Joe was the coolest guy. Joe was the first artist at Conan to remember my name. Wow. We like took him up to the dressing room. You know, I, I always put them in the dressing room and then I go do whatever else I had, you know, clean some toilets somewhere. And I walk back by the door and he goes, Hey, Billy. Um, could you tell me where the nearest restroom is or whatever he asked me? And I was like, Joe Cocker, remember my name? That's so sick. <laughs> With a little help awesome. from my he, friends, he, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was one of his friends that day. What would you do if I said yeah, he, he was awesome. Uh, uh, Neil, what about you? You got another one? Yeah. Um, one of my favorites is uh, Stevie Wonder's version of We Can Work It Out by the Beatles. You guys know that version? Oh, yeah, yeah. man forgot about yeah it's great yeah yeah and it's so so different and funky obviously it's stevie but he changes it up and i just love the way it starts just that hey i love the stevie uh i was talking to one of my buddies telling him he needs to learn some stevie on the keyboard because i'm not going to learn how to play the keyboard and i'm just saying you know stevie with the wah wahs <laughs> with the wah wahs like stevie's very wah wah Oh yeah, not a whack oh, whack. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna do one more. The Nirvana cover of "In the Pines," uh, like "Where'd You Sleep Last Night," on uh, the Unplugged album is just. I think it's a Lead Belly song, like "In the Pines." It, yeah, it's yeah. just it's fantastic. It's you know, just to bounce off of last week's last week's song choice. But Billy, give me one more, if you got one. Okay, you know what? Since we're about to segue. Yeah. into the song that we're getting into. I'll give you this one. Takes a lot to laugh. Takes a train to cry. Grateful Dead covering Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jerry singing that. Like It's oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a really yeah, cool yeah. version. It's on, uh, I think it's called, um, they did this, Grateful Dead did this album, Postcards for Hanging, and it was mm-hmm. Grateful Dead covers Dylan. Yeah, I know that and album. So it's them covering, a you know, just all Dylan songs and that's on there. It's great. Yeah, that, I love listening a, to that one. That's a fun album. Neil, give me one more. Um. Well, in high school, I used to listen to this bootleg version of Pearl Jam doing The Kids Are All Right, which was just oh, yeah. so good. I mean, Eddie's just like, yep. Eddie's really crushing it there. And just when he goes to the, the peak of the song, because um, I know if I don't, I'll go out of my fucking mind. <laughs> oh, great. Eddie. We'll we'll get back to Pearl Jam in a little bit, but uh, on that note, uh, you were listening to Podgate Rock and Roll to you, and this week we were talking about covers because this week we were talking about arguably one of the greatest of all time, 
and that is Jimi Hendrix all along the watchtower from his 1968 album Electric Ladyland uh, written by Bob Dylan and produced by Jimi Hendrix it was released on reprise in the states and track in the UK Let's talk about it. This is one of my favorite songs in the rock and roll canon. And definitely, like, since the first time I heard it, it was like, this is why I like this kind of music. It's just that pounding intro that, like, you can't ignore. Like, his passionate vocal, the haze, uh, the solos, the, like, cool, mysterious imagery of the lyric. It's the whole package of what you want in a rock and roll song. You know, this was, like, the one song that my buddy and I, like, before football game on Friday nights... We'd, we'd hit we'd hit the overpass like we'd get like after school at three we'd get like an hour so we'd hit the overpass we'd have one cigarette mm-hmm. blasting this maybe a papa roach follow-up because of the year but you would rip was, a cig before you played football one just one mississippi baby uh. or a dip I, I, honestly it, it could have been a dip it was probably a dip it no you know what it was a dip <laughs> before the game one cig after the game. Yeah, celebratory cigs. And then and then it would be this tune and yeah, maybe what was the Papa Roach song? Cut stop, my life stop into talking pieces. About Papa Roach. <laughs> <laughs> this intro. No, this is going. my last yeah. resort. Last resort, you got no it. Breathing. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but like this 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 song like just got us like from that doom 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 doom. It was just like, all right, fucking let's go. You know, mm-hmm. it's mindset. Is, has changed it's it's time for the next like four hours to to be focused or whatever and you know i'd like to think i was a thief in the situation in the in the car but uh, you know let's not lie he was better than me at football and i was i was the joker so you know. uh. i love i I'm, I'm with you on like just from the start of that song is just don't don't da 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 and i i mean for me every time i hear it i think forrest gump <laughs> Every single time. Really? What yeah. part is that? What's... What part is it in? What's the scene? Oh, when they're in when they're in uh, Nam. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the whole yeah. Papa Gump scene where he gets shot up. No, I think it's earlier okay. when they're in Nam. Maybe right, right when they're walking around camp. Maybe. That's um, right. I think uh, I don't know that. I was thinking you guys could do like you that that should be the next like sequence for you guys is going through that soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> of that movie. There's so you've probably done a lot of the songs on that soundtrack already. We've probably done a lot of the bands. I don't know like specific Yeah, songs. yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, the bands, yeah. Do you remember hearing this for the first time or like just just kind of No, I mean I, I I would bet the first time I heard it was Forrest Gump. Or yeah. or like at, you know, my parents playing the Forrest Gump soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I, 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 the trailer yeah. when I saw the trailer for Forrest Gump. Yeah, like my parents weren't playing Jimi Hendrix at the house. I mean, my dad, my dad went to Woodstock. My dad saw him at Woodstock, but um, that was not. You know, they were they were playing the Beatles, Wings, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. That was more mm-hmm. the vibe at our they, house. They um, were more mellow. But this is definitely driven. this is definitely like Forrest Gump for me. And then you know, as I've grown older then you hear all the covers and then you know finding out it's an original dylan song and then listening to that mm-hmm. yeah um, and then understanding i like the Jimi hendrix version a lot more but it's just 
like you said, it kind of, it can kind of flip you into a different mode right when you hear those, just those first snares just gets you going. Mm -hmm. My, uh, my stepdad was a huge Hendrix fan. I've always been a Hendrix fan since I picked up a guitar. So I heard this pretty young and Josh, I'm glad you picked it. Um, I never would have because I don't even, it's so good to me. It's not even a song. It's just a record of pure brilliance. <laughs> I mean, wow. it, re it really is like, I, I don't know how it could get any better when you have um, the best guitarist, the best lyricist, and then you fuse in this uh, just, there's so much going on in the song. It, it's so layered and textured with different sounds and um it just it has so much uh kind of mystery to it and i just love any chance to dig into hendrix especially something like this that's you know you're not gonna really play this on repeat too often and kind of like really listen to it so it was it was nice to do that it's on my favorite hendrix album of all time electric ladyland and definitely that's really? in my top five all time but it's funny because I don't even associate this song with Electric Ladyland because it's so, you know, it's so unique. It lives on its own island, really. Yeah. And it's just an endless waterfall of riffs. There's just like the whole song. I don't know how he puts in that much guitar without it being distracting. It, it weaves in perfectly, but it's but it's it's all ripping stuff. It's all just great guitar work. And I think it really might be one of the greatest displays of like precision inspiration on guitar ever created. Businessman, drink my wine, come and dig my earth. None will level on the mind. Let's just piggyback off that. I mean, it was fun to read about it and, and the fact that, you know, they started out with a four track and then they moved to eight and then 12, and then 16, and they were like, uh, we're going to have to cut some of this stuff out. Like, we don't have, like, a 32-track, man, you know? So, and he just kept at it, because he just, it sounded like a recording process of, like, perfection. He had the sound in his head. I know what I want this to sound like. And he never really played it live. He did. Or he only played it a couple times, because he just knew it, it wouldn't sound mm -hmm. anywhere near the perfection that he got on the record. Yeah, I read that as well, and it sounds like Hendrix was really on one, like, just like, no, it's not good enough, like, like just really would not relent until it was perfect, and it goes to show what you can do if you have that vision, and you, uh, through trial and error, just with the riffs and the sounds, and just really try to get it right, um, what you can do, especially if you're that gifted. Which also speaks just to his creativity, just in general, because, you know, I'm not somebody, like, even when we recorded in the past like i can't hear what i want a song to sound like i i just i'm not musically adept like that but to listen to something and read about somebody that knew exactly what he wanted he probably didn't know exactly like every note for note but he probably knew 80 percent of what he wanted it to sound like and then the tinkering got him to that 100 percent. Mm -hmm. but to just go in and say i want to do this and then come out with this is is crazy and you're talking about all the riffs and all the different parts. I mean, this is one of those songs, you know, one of those classic rock songs that, like, if I hear it, I could air guitar every single note on this mm -hmm. on this song. Like, just every single note. I, I mean, not correctly, but I would I would hit it with my fingers. Like, I'd be playing the... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what is the, the standout guitar part for you in this song, Billy? Don't ask me that. I thought like I was actually 
it was cool to hear Neil talk about this song <laughs> like that because like you know like because Neil's a great musician, he's a great guitar player, and you hear this, and I, I think for someone like me who doesn't really know music as well as you guys do, is you hear it and it's Jimi Hendrix, and that's just like what I expect from Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, oh yeah, that's just Jimi being incredible. But that's like, you know, I think, you know, I've heard so many people cover it that I think it's probably, you know, I didn't think it was that precise and unique as, you know, you're saying it uh, is. That, that's funny. I mean, I'm more speaking to like the, you know, you hear like Comfortably Numb, which we've done on here, or Hotel California, and there's specific parts in the solos that you could just stick out. That you're like, oh yeah, when that part hits, that's what I love. Yeah, and, I don't know that there's one in, one in this song that sticks out to me. And that and that's a fair answer. I, I, yeah, I kind of so lean much. that way it's because like all they're all so good. <laughs> Like you said, Neil, he's playing so many riffs throughout. It's like the solos, they stand out, but they don't stand out any more than all of the other little parts he plays throughout. I mean, they're all just the, like, mecca of guitar playing. Yeah. Well, I mean, throughout all the verses, he's doing, like, a call and response where he sings a line, plays a riff, sings a line, plays a riff. Um, And then when he gets into the solo, it's just so nice because he's not ripping the whole time. It's very melodic. And then my favorite part is when it kind of breaks down um, about mid-solo, where he's just kind of like, I don't even know what he's doing on the guitar, but it's just these weird, like, like it's right mm. before he oh, goes yeah. into that wah part. But but that the the part where he like it's just a flurry of notes that I know as a guitar player I'll never be able to play. I mean, one it's the effects, two it's his playing, but it's just that. Like it's because he has the delay on and he's so good. It sounds like he hits forty five notes in like about five seconds. <laughs> but but it, but not in like a metal way, in a very groovy. There's a lot of Hendrix, I mean, even as a big fan, there's a lot that just, it's tough to, for the people who aren't guitar players to really understand or respect, you know, it's a lot of loud um, screeching, but this is just beautiful, mysterious 60s fucking guitar playing. There's two things that stand out from from what he took from the Dylan song that make this, uh, uh, like small things, small little changes. That, and especially with the guitar part, is when the yes are not in the Bob Dylan version. And they add so much to his version. Because, like, he, he ends, like, yeah. Oh, nice. You know. I mean, it's almost like he's playing a piano. Uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of like walking back and forth, like you were saying. But it, so he's hitting so many notes so perfectly and in such a, like, like you said, it's not metal. It's not, like, uh, mathematical really it doesn't sound mathematical mm-hmm. it sounds just like really pretty and like going back and forth yeah very fluid and i love how if you listen to electric ladyland in headphones it there's almost there's too much of the left to right stuff going on for me like it, it distracts from from the from the music mm-hmm. but this song he doesn't really do that it's all there like in in the stereo like it's 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 it's, it's hitting you in both ears yeah and i think like i said in the beginning i don't even think this was part of the electric lady land kind of vision i think it was just like oh this is fucking sweet put that at the end right before voodoo chow <laughs> it's a good way to end that out <laughs> 
yes, the other small thing I would say that he adds to uh, the, and, and it's probably because I, honestly, other than the Hendrix version, like you, Billy, I didn't, I probably, I don't, I don't think I knew this was a Bob Dylan song until you know, I don't know later, but uh, you know, I did hear the Dave Matthews version at a uh, formative age, maybe live at Red Rocks from that album, and and Dave Matthews takes this song and does his own thing with it as well. But they both do the, there must be, like, Dave slows it down. Kind of, there must be some kind of way out. There must be some kind of way out of here. Dylan does not do that. It's, there must be some way out of here. Like, but the kind adds a lot to the song as well, I think. And it's just something really small. and really doesn't add anything to it. Just melodically, it, it changes it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and just, I mean, talking about the music, you guys were talking about the drums and the way it starts. Um the drums are crazy on this song because it really is just like doo, 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 doo. I don't know if I've ever heard anything like it like it's very loud well, and if you just strip out the drums you'd be like what the fuck is this because <laughs> well but if you listen to the Dylan version the drive is there what the drums are doing like to drive the song is kind of the same thing it, obviously different effects and a different way, way of playing but it's kind of the same drive as the original mm-hmm. but just the fact that he kind of from the start it's like this is gonna be something a little different bum 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 there you go again i you know this song for the cover can you just do a vocal rendition yeah I'm just going to do an acapella version because everyone loves acapella. <laughs> um, I don't want to say it hasn't been done before because it's after cream. It's a very cream intro. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it maybe may sunshine in your love. I don't know, but it, it it's just sounds it very cream like to me where you have this kind of drum bass heavy mm-hmm. and then this just ripping guitar. And, you know, obviously, you know, Clapton said it, so he's taken it to another level of, of expert guitar playing. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to say, like, what's, you know, we always ask Billy, like, what sticks with you when you hear a song? Like, this entire song sticks with me. Like, there's the beginning, yes, is great, but every other part of the song is great, too. So there's not, like, one part of the song that I'm like, uh, yeah, you know, it kind of dies down a little bit here. It's just, like, the entire song. It's, it's not that long pretty quick but like once it's over you're like god that was such a just yeah all of fucking and it's amazing what he did it never changes same chords just over and over you know there's a lot of like um just kind of dramatic changes or rhythmic or kind of sound but there's really it's an achievement to do what he did with it with just those three chords well it's, it, it's one of those songs where yes it's three chords and they're just repeated throughout i mean nothing changes at all melodically in the song it's just you know i mean i i play it a minor g f g a minor g f g but it's one of those songs that like that chord progression you don't really i don't i don't need to hear it done any other way what they mm-hmm. build around it is just like why would you do this chord progression in any other way now like it's already been done to perfection mm-hmm. and yeah let's just let's just leave it at that i mean he did it so well that dylan I guess he didn't play live. Dylan recorded this on John Wesley Harding in 1967. Hendrix came out with his six months after that came out. And mm-hmm. I was reading because I guess Hendrix knew somebody who knew Dylan's manager. So he got all of the music ahead of time before that album came out. 
and he was gonna do another song on the album and he was like nah let's do this one instead and so that's why he was able to do it six months after it came out well Sick. did you did you read about Noel Redding leaving the studio cause he was like I, <laughs> I like Dylan's version better I'm out of here guys Jimmy's like sweet <laughs> give me the bass fuck you oh I I read that he got annoyed that it was taking Jimmy so many takes to be okay with well, with it, so he left. I think in yeah, general, probably, probably a combination. Yeah, I think in general it was yeah. a combination, and I don't I don't know if they had the best relationship. He was probably he had his own band called Fat Mattress that Jimmy called Thin Pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, <dude>. Jimmy roasted. <laughs> There must be some way out of here Say the joker to the thief Well, I mean, he was wrong because Dylan didn't record or didn't play live until 1974 after 1966. And what's crazy is he's played all along the Watchtower more than any other song in his catalog. And he's like, I always, and he's like, I've always played it like Jimmy because... Mm -hmm. And people kind of say it's almost like he's covering a cover of himself. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that, that's impressive to like, I mean, especially someone like Dylan to do a cover and, and Dylan just immediately be like, oh, yep, that's how that's how you do it. Mm-hmm. Well, since we're on Dylan, let's 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 talk about the lyrics since he wrote it. It's a conversation and then description of something like it's three very short verses that feels like it's a lot more, but it is a really, really short song mm -hmm. yeah not that many is. words not that many lines but damn the imagery in there it's like a fucking people say bible references and artists getting shafted by their labels and that makes a lot of sense but if you dive into it it's kind of funny because if you read it the joker feels like he's being robbed and then the thief says nah fuck it man you know that's just life and it's almost like they reverse the roles, which is, you know, Dylan is a master at lyricism. But, you know, it's like there must be some kind of way out of here that said the Joker to the thief. And then the thief is like, no, nah, man. So it kind of gives you the impression that, like, the thief is fucking the Joker in some way. Right. Mm hmm. And then they're heading towards the watchtower where the where the princes and the servants and all those people. And you feel like the thief is is in with the prince and they're about to give the Joker the run well, around. Yeah. The cool thing about it is the end, it feels like the very beginning of the story. Two yes. riders were approaching and the wind began to howl like, yeah, and then? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jimmy Wales. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh <laughs> I read, I read, I forget who it was. Somebody close with Dylan, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, people trying to decipher what the song was about. <laughs> this person was just like, yeah, I think... Dylan knew that he was Dylan and sometimes he would just kind of just throw up, just word vomit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. and get away with some things. And because he's Bob Dylan, it's like, oh, yeah, what a deep meaning. And Dylan's just like throwing some words together. That's what I hope. Yeah. That's how I thought, you know, I hope it came about. He was just like, yeah, this, this, and that. Typical. I assumed most you know. Dylan was that. I, I, I'm sure he has a general <laughs> thesis of what he's trying to talk about, but most of it's just like, he's just a master of like, just grabbing cool words, jo the Joker and the thief and fucking the right. Watchtower. Like, it's just, that's some cool shit to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, Dylan's kind of known for taking on many faces and trying to, like, and, like, kind of playing with his celebrity because he was so fucking big at this time 
when he wrote this song. Uh, who was it? Dave Van Ronk, who was kind of like a guy in the Greenwich scene in the early 60s. He was like, he's like, I don't know. Dylan can kind of just get away with anything. Uh, like a watchtower, like you can't walk around a watchtower. Like you can't like, yeah, why are they all along riding, the riding up to a wall? On the, like it makes no sense. Like a, what is a fucking watchtower, you know? Uh, <laughs> but but watchtower cool. is a tower that someone uh, stands in and they watch for maybe riders approaching. <laughs> I always I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Until this week, I always thought it said barefoot southerners and not barefoot servants. <laughs> barefoot southerners too. I, oh, that's what I always thought he said. Uh... I mean, just in terms of lyric, is there one that stands out to y'all? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the most recognizable is the businessmen drink my wine, plow men dig my earth. But I I can't say I have a favorite. I mean, I just associate the song with a cool vibe and great guitar. And what did you think the next two lines were your entire life? Did you know what that said? No, I still don't. I'm reading it and I still don't. (laughs) (laughs) There are many among us. On the line, nobody Uh, offered his word. Yeah. I think I think I thought it was nobody of this world or something like that. I thought it was nobody knows what it is worth. Yeah, nobody yeah knows I probably thought worth. that at one point too. None of them along the line know what any of it is worth. Yeah, is yeah, what yeah. I always thought. Nobody that out of sense. this world. <laughs> <laughs> nobody of this world is probably knows Jason Worth. <laughs> well, Early two thousands baseball throwback. Uh, yes, I knew I knew that name, but uh, World Series Rangers Diamondbacks. Let's go! Mm-hmm. Excited. Uh, I, yeah. I don't, I don't care. On Dylan's version, you basically have Dylan doing guitars and harmonica and singing obviously you have charlie mccoy on bass and kenneth buttery on drums and then hendrix version you have him on vocals guitars piano percussion harpsichord bass noel redding has some backing vocal credit on here neil Mm -hmm. uh mitch mitchell also has backing vocal drums and percussion but brian jones also played percussion from the stones and then Dave Mason played 12 string guitar billy a little Mm -hmm. Dave Mason Mm -hmm. Uh, there which I'd never heard before, but you can hear just strumming on the ones, just it's 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 another great uh, great trick, man. I mean, if you can if you find the right song, get a twelve string in the studio. It's it's if you do it right, it's gonna give it a great sound. Gray Street, Dave Matthews Band. Uh, a couple 12, fun facts. Oh, yeah, um, I know that song. Um, a couple fun facts. This was number forty-eight on Rolling Stones five hundred best sounds of songs of all time it moved up to 41 on their 2021 version oh revised really corrected one of the highest ones we've done probably the third or fourth it was inducted into the grammy hall of fame in a one hendrix version and hendrix version also hit number 20 on the charts so that is and it was uh, his only top 40 hit his only i think so yeah really yeah, I read that as well. Foxy Lady didn't get there. Purple I don't, Haze. I think those. It was like Wind everyone respected him and loved it, but I don't know if it got the radio play. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know if Casey Kasem was. 
<laughs> uh, okay, well, let's just, you know, amazing song. We all agree. It's mm-hmm. Perfect rock and roll encapsulation. So let's let's start vibing. Billy, bring us into vibe time in three, two, one. <laughs> I, I, I dig it, you know. It's a, it's a Wednesday night. It's, it's past our bedtimes. Um, okay, it's my song, so I will say that I specifically want to hear this on the overpass before a football game in my mind, bro, or in my dreams. when I, Because occasionally I'll dream about high school football and me making a play, but, uh, <laughs> but maybe this. Uh, Makes sense. But, you know, just, just me, me and Joe getting into the headspace before, before, uh, before the game with some classic rock. Or, honestly, at my age, probably, like, before picking up a heavy box or when I have to clean out the garage just to drown out the directions that are being given to me by my girlfriend. Uh, okay. Or or pre cannonball. Somebody just throw that throws this on when they want me to do a cannonball in the pool. Boom. <laughs> nice. Bum, 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 bum. Splash. Picking up a box in my football dreams before a cannonball. <laughs> you you were just full of them. It's a, it's a all on watchtower for all seasons. Uh, <laughs> Neil, when do you want to hear this? Um, well, I've heard it so many times um, that at this point it's when I'm still trying to learn what the fuck he's doing. So more in like a scholarly manner, like to like try to break it down, learn it, figure out why it's so cool, what he's doing there. Um, And uh, one thing, if I ever become a street musician and I have a little looping situation, it's a perfect like, just get those three chords going and then jam on this for like 20 minutes to be so. That's what I want to hear. You don't, I... you don't have to be a street musician to do that. You can do that now. I know you got a looping pedal. Come on. Busk in your heart. Yeah. Busk, busk at home. Busk for your wife and make, child. Make it a TikTok all. video, uh-huh. man. Yeah. Get yourself well, a TikTok. Yeah, whenever, um, whenever Donovan becomes of age where he can actually understand, maybe I'll do that for him. Be like, look, dude, yeah. daddy's real good at guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Or you could do it when you when you wake up wake up. Oh, actually, you know what? I'm gonna do that when I, the next time I wake the girls up. I'm gonna just go in their rooms and go, bum 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 bum, and yeah, that's a good one. Billy, you're gonna play the song or you're gonna do that? Uh, I'll probably do that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it, it's better than the last time I went in there. I was like, girls fire! <laughs> oh my you God. did not. I did. Girls are <sighs> fire. They were like, what? Jesus. <laughs> I was like, get Ha-ha, up. Feed, now you're awake. <laughs> feed the fucking rabbit. Uh, Billy. <laughs> the rabbit's on fire. Billy, Billy, when do you want to hear this song? I think I want to hear this before before a first date. Because yeah. it gets it gets you going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think during you know, during the verses, there's a nice little, you know, standard conversation you know maybe a little lower but then you know with the solos this song kind of has peaks and valleys Mm -hmm. just like any first date's gonna have Mm -hmm. you know and then and then you you remember that so you go in with confidence and some real expectations and then you know jimmy fades you out on that solo yeah and then you're just ready to go out there and just crush that first date now I should probably start doing it because none of my first dates have ever uh, ended up uh, well. So I, I think I'm going to start doing this. Game, game changer. Mm-hmm. Let us not mm-hmm. talk falsely now. 
And as my mom says, the hour's getting late, Billy. You need to find someone. <laughs> well, speaking of the hour getting late, why don't we slide under the influence and talk about the influences of this song. Uh, Neil, why don't you get us started here? What, do you, what are you hearing? Well, guitar-wise, I mean, I've always... Uh marveled at that story where Jimi hendrix was so blown away by the guitar player from 10 years after um and it really reminds me of the guitar playing in uh i'd love to change the world um i'm mm. not sure if that came before or after but as far as like influence on this song it's tough because it's you know it's a dylan tune um and the guitar playing I, there was never anything that got very close to this like it's very uh, just a real game changer. I mean, the Dylan version has very kind of um, old school, bluesy, dark uh, overtones to it. But there's not much. I mean, I really think it stands on an island. I mean, yeah. it's, it's influenced I... every guitar player henceforth. But I don't know how much influenced this other than Cream. Yeah, I had yeah. the same thing. I I I, <laughs> I said no influence. It's Hendrix. He's unmatched. Yeah. Like that's yeah. just. I'm so glad that an actual musician agreed with me. So I'm pretty much a musician now. <laughs> I, I look. I, I think. I think uh, lyrically, you could say it's like westerns. I think. I think Dylan himself said like Robert Johnson, Woody Guthrie, kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. bluesy, that kind of style of writing. It, you know, it, it is kind of a classic style of writing where you basically are just. There's really no chorus. Like structurally, it's just three verses. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a fucking poem that he put music to right and i hear a lot like hendrix version and just the drive that it has not really guitar wise but like i I hear a lot of pearl jam songs that kind of take a lot from this style of Mm. of music uh just their catalog in general i can't think of a specific song so let's talk about the covers billy why don't you get us started here give us a cover that you heard that you like or don't like either one i heard Quite a few covers, as you would um, think, for this song and know that so many bands, you know, most of them are not just on Spotify. You know, so many bands cover this, you know, uh, on stage live in live shows. Um, But one that I did hear that I really liked, which was a little different because most of the covers are just kind of the same way that Hendrix did it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was Taj Mahal Mm. because he has a saxophone in the back that's kind of doing what the guitar does in jimmy's Uh, version so it's pretty cool but i mean my all-time favorite um and i've heard it live a bunch of times by this band my favorite band the dave matthews band Mm -hmm. really good version on listener supported which um pretty sure is in new jersey east rutherford new jersey it's a live show live album um i want to say 99 but it's it's great it's that slow Dave start with it and that first verse and then after the first verse just everybody joins in mm-hmm. and it goes crazy and they, they've done a good job like they they have a couple of times where you know, throughout the years Santana sat in with them and done the solo on that and it's it's incredible he he definitely made it his own as well like you know mm-hmm. whereas Dylan's version is very built around the lyric I mean it's almost played as a kind of it's not it's not a folk song necessarily but it, it, it's very kind of straightforward sparse bare bones song to like focus around the lyric hendrix builds this you know elaborate space that really brings the imagery to life more so than dylan's and then dave kind of takes he, there's a concentration on the lyric of course 
but there's also a lot of it's it's dynamic in a different way it's dynamic in the way that the dave matthews band does dave dave doesn't play mm-hmm. a lot of fucking guitar solos so it's it's a lot of stops and really mm-hmm. let's you know accents on a lot of things and like you said there's a build like it's it's silent in the beginning and he really leans into the yes and obviously you know the the solos are kind of more just breakdown jams of, of his mm-hmm. band and and yeah he does it his cover other than jimmy's is is the best of all the right. ones that i heard for sure yeah yeah it's it's a tough song because it's already a great cover you know it, it just starts to get watered down and it's funny i was i was i looked on spotify youtube i was trying to find some good versions and at one point i was like are you allowed to cover this without dave matthews and it's like because i saw him doing it with robert randolph with tedeschi trucks like oh, yeah. santana you mentioned i think there's probably hundreds of videos about there out there of dave doing it with someone else or them sitting in with his band um and yeah mm-hmm. yeah they they do it well i like what he does there what else did i hear i heard a terrible version of ed sheeran doing it um mm. it was really bad let's see charlie crockett did a cool version like um Ooh, I didn't hear that very one. just kind of dylan-esque more so and mm-hmm. then one of my favorites was um an instrumental gypsy flamenco guitar version because it definitely already lends itself to uh, that kind of sound yeah you know well especially what hendrix is doing i i heard you two and pearl jam do it and i was a little disappointed mm-hmm. in both they were not good yeah yeah they're not that you gotta good. dig I mean, around I, i'm sure they would have been fun to, to see because it, it just uh, when anyone but hendrix or i mean i i would say dave because it's he's made it kind of a thing with his band like it sounds it sounds like he does it a lot but anyone else doing it, it and it also sounds like he does it to close and, yeah. it, and it's it's a worthy oh yeah closer. a lot but just anyone yeah. else doing it you're just like oh dude come on <laughs> well well and the other thing going back to that kind of a lot of people sing it like dylan where they go there must be some way out of here it's just a very strike whereas you know Dave, Dave leans into the kind of, there must be Oh, no, he does some wild shit with the melody. Out of here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah which, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how he sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave him notes. <laughs> <laughs> he said no notes. Neil said, hold my beer. All right, well, let's, let's get to the shoe-fitting portion of this podcast. And since this is my song, I will say it fits like the Barefoot Southerner that i thought he was always talking about serving power but definitely uh gonna help the joker when he gets fucked because the barefoot southerner is serving the prince and then when the joker arrives mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. guy's gonna be on the joker yeah. this cannonball getting deep <laughs> as dylan intended neil what about you what how does shoe fit uh they fit but i'll never wear them because it's this like i said this is such an achievement and such a rare um display of talent i feel like this is the most expensive pair of game-worn Air Jordans from 1985. Ooh, you're not, like you're not taking them out of the box. No, you, well, they're game-worn. I mean, I guess they could oh. still be in the box, but no, they're in a glass case. Okay, you're not taking them out of the case. I got you. I got you. Okay, okay. It's, I it's like a, that. I like the way that fits with your description of the song. I, I think I, I think it's a work boot, man. Just like <laughs> hey, watchtower boot. This is how it's gonna be. <laughs> This is how it's going to be with the Joker and the Thief. So if you don't like your position too bad, put your fucking work boots on and and work through it because it's the way things are. Yeah, get off my boots. Better be able to run away from that wild cat. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. or have a or have a gun to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on that note, uh, our cover of All Along the Watchtower. 
cover you just heard was performed by josh bond thanks for listening to pod gave rock and roll to you if you like what you heard please subscribe and rate on apple itunes and spotify or wherever you listen if you'd like to communicate with us you can find us on twitter and instagram under the handle at pod rock next week is billy's week so billy what will we be discussing next week we'll be talking about midnight in harlem by the tedeschi trucks band can't wait <laughs>